All right, guys, we are back at it. We have a list for you today. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying this. We kind of find them, and then we love to kind of go through them and dissect them and kind of give our opinions. But this is kind of transitioning from being a student to a working licensed PTA. So let's go ahead. Did you have anything else? No, I was just going to oh. mention that we know exams are right around the corner. Yes. So we wanted to get this out a little early, but to get everybody mentally prepared. Yeah, and honestly, if you've been in the field for a while, hey, some of these might still come in handy. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Let's go. You're listening to the PT Assistance Podcast with your hosts, Ken. And Laura. Thanks for joining for another exciting episode. You got a list? I got a list. Do you have a list? No, because you got the list. I knew you didn't. (laughs) Wait, (laughs) you mean you knew you did Root. All right. So today's list is the transition from student to practicing PTA and just what that encompasses is just going to be tips and advice for new grads just kind of transitioning. It's can be exciting, but also challenging. And I guess I'm the, the newer of us two PTAs and I can definitely tell you that it can be challenging at times. We even have episodes on like imposter syndrome and all the feelings that you can have once you start practicing. Still got that. <laughs> it can be a little overwhelming to start, but hopefully these tips can help you navigate that transition a little bit easier. So let's go off to the first one. So number one is going to be seek mentorship. Do you want me to read you the description or do you want to just kind of talk off the main point? You can go off a little bit of description if you want. All right. So the description. So finding an experienced PTA or PT who can serve as your mentor. So they can provide you with guidance, answers to your questions, and offer support as you navigate into your new role. So for me, I think it helped a lot because I was a technician prior to becoming a PTA. So I already had that mentorship role. Failed. Whoa. (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong. I'm just kidding. You you were one of them. I think it's because you don't just have one mentor i think think even when you start practicing you try to take as much as you can for as many different people and just Mm -hmm. kind of cultivate your own personality and your own form of form of treatment but even now i would say i still have two mentors i feel like your pts are your mentors anybody who has probably more experience than you can be a mentor i don't even think that it I don't even say they have to have more experience, but. No, and you don't need a lot of experience, but definitely one that you can rely on and you feel comfortable going asking questions to. And I think, honestly, up front, you do kind of need a mentor right out of the gates. And mine just turned out to be my PT, who I worked with at the time, because um, that's just like our personalities clicked a little bit more than the other PTA that I worked with. And then eventually, like not long into me working there. The other PTA got moved, and so it was just me and my PT. So it kind of, <laughs> whether or not he wanted it, he became my mentor because that's who was around. Now, you don't necessarily have to work with your mentor, um, but I definitely do find it beneficial that you find a mentor that works within the same company so they can kind of understand the billing. Because honestly, when you start getting in the role, billing is going to be um the bane of everyone existence yeah it still is let's be honest um 
but you're going to have some challenging and your company's billing is going to be slightly different than other companies. So definitely reach out to them and um, ask your questions. So again, your mentor doesn't necessarily have to be at the same location, but I would keep within the same uh, company. I will say it was actually kind of funny that this is one of them because I was telling Ken, today was the first time I realized I'm no longer a newbie in this field and I kind of crossed into like the vet. Not fully veteran role, but like a more of a seasoned therapist because I now have new grads who seeking are... Seeking her guidance. PT seeking my guidance on exercises or stealing things that I do with patients or asking me advice on maybe a treatment plan or different things like that. And it's really weird. And I will say like now looking at like my company, I don't really have a like a mentor. I look up and I watch a lot of our PTs and I take a lot and I steal things from here and there that I really like. Um, but I wouldn't say I really have a person who is a straight up like, oh yeah, you're going to teach me a lot. I'm gonna, I feel like I need to learn a lot from you because I do feel like I've actually grown a little bit out of that role. Um, if anything, I've kind of helped some little newbies kind of get a little bit more on their feet. Um, so, you know, it's it again, it's not bad when eventually you kind of age out of it. So and it I will happen. say that if anybody is searching for advanced proficiencies, getting a mentor is a requirement. Yes. That yes, will be the last thing I say about that once because we're going on to number two, which we've also had an episode recently on embracing lifelong learning. <laughs> so recognizing that learning doesn't stop after graduation. You got to stay up to date with the research, continuing ed, and just try to seek opportunities to expand your knowledge and your skills. Yeah, I think when everybody first hears this one, they think like your continuing educations and kind of going with what I just said about watching the PTs around you. Not necessarily, you don't have to necessarily sit one-on-one and really observe. Like while you're doing your treatment, you can kind of see you. Or if you are working with their patients, you can kind of get an idea of what they do. Um, Right now I am working with a new PT. I'm at kind of hopping places right now a little bit um, because one needed help. And this PT does everything slightly different. He's got a whole different mind of thinking than any other PTs I've run across. So, you know, I'm trying to learn. It's not that I necessarily fully agree with everything or all of his um, points. But, you know, I do feel like I'm learning different ways to treat and maybe bring up things that maybe I wouldn't have thought of before of um, doing some some treatment in certain ways. So... Um, I think that's also continuing to learn is take things from other people and adapt them in ways that you find beneficial. Um, sharing is caring. I do think observing is a great way to learn. So, like, I observed some of my PT's treatments recently, and it's just something that helps give me new ideas. And I think as well as trying to observe different fields, So if you are interested in going into inpatient or a specialty field, just kind of going and calling in and be like, hey, can I just observe and seeing if that's something you would like to dive deeper into? Because there are so many different settings, so many different places you can be, and everything is a whole new skill set that you're going to have to learn. 
and all that just expands your knowledge you can bring with you to the next PT place or just kind of have it in your back pocket just to, just in case. So going on to number three, building strong communication skills. So mm -hmm. effectively communicating is crucial to the healthcare field in general. So practice active listening, ask questions, communicate clearly with patients, colleagues, and other healthcare professionals. And I will say that this, I feel like it comes way more in handy in like SNF or hospital settings because there's so many different disciplines that you're dealing with. So you have to communicate with just the therapy department, whether it's OT, speech, occupational, whatever the case may be. You have to communicate with docs. You have to communicate with nurses. You have to communicate with the MRI team, if the x-ray team, like people are going to come in to do different things and you have wound care, um, surgeries. Like there's just so much going on in a hospital that you mm -hmm. have to be able to communicate clearly about what's going on. And I don't want to downplay communication skills, even in a smaller PT practice, like an outpatient clinic, because you still need to be able to communicate with the patients themselves and communication, communicate with the supervising PT that you have. So knowing when to bring them into a certain situation or mm -hmm. letting them know there's a change of status or they need to do no eval or there's been a fall, like there's different scenarios where you need to be able to be aware of in order to know to incorporate your PT in that situation. And then also communicating with your front desk and your scheduling staff also too. Because if you've got a patient who needs to become one-on-one -on -one due to either like a change in status, like you said, or because of a recent fall, or because you realize, hey, this patient's not getting it and can't actually do treatment correctly, being booked by double, you know, those are things to communicate. And also, if patients are getting discharged that day, communicate with them so then that way they're not booking them out. Um I know it seems like simple little things, but honestly, I always say over-communicate is better than under-communicating. Um, I've always said I probably shared a lot more with my PTs than they probably ever cared to know. But you know what? Hey, that's what I might do. Um, because again, they're in charge of that patient. And so if I am making changes or something like that, usually I'm like, hey, do you mind? Like if I want to add traction to a patient, I think they're going to benefit from them. I usually go to them, and even if it's under the plan of care that I can do it, I usually go to them and be like, hey, I was thinking about adding traction to so-and-so for this, for this reason. You cool with that? And honestly, most of the time they're good with that. But it's that communication, so then that way they also know that, hey, traction was done on this patient. Um, if something happens next visit, you know, they can look at it or for any other reason. You know, they are, they're already aware of it. If patient comes in and be like, oh, my gosh, what we did last time was amazing. Da, 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 and they're like, what the hell? What was new? Looking, looking, looking. Oh, okay, traction. But then if they already know, they kind of can get right into it. So um, communication. So going on to our fourth one is developing time management skills. <laughs> so balancing patient care, documentation, admin tasks, balancing all those can already be challenging, but you need to prioritize tasks, create schedules, learn to manage your time effectively to ensure your productivity and to avoid burnout. Yeah. Um, this can vary location by location um, because like if you're in a SNF or a hospital, you usually get a list of patients and then it's just kind of like see them when you can, but you also need to stay within a certain amount of hours to keep that pro uh the productivity of productivity up so that means you could end up charting off 
um, definitely in the beginning of your session. And that is something that is is challenging for everybody up front. Like, I'm not going to lie and say, hey, this is easy. But the more you practice something, the easier and the quicker you get to it. So a lot of the times when you're coming out of school and going into a new location, and this can even be later on in, in life, too, when you're switching from one place to another place, it's going to take you a little bit more time and just know that up front. Like, hey, I might have to chart review a little bit more. I'm not going to pull this patient back right away just because I don't know who they are. <laughs> and I want an idea before I come in. So, you know, definitely be aware, be efficient at what you're looking for within the charts to at least maybe get them going on something and then you can review even more. So like, for example, lately I have been going, like I said, to different clinics, um, kind of bouncing between two. And I've only been at our other clinic twice now. And I had all new patients today. Every single one of my on my schedule were new to me. And I'm I'm still double booked. Like it wasn't like, oh, hey, you know, you just got here. We're going to transition you in slowly and then kind of get to use, used to knowing the patients. Nope. <laughs> it was just like a normal, I'm just in there and, um, which is, it's fine. I don't mind it, but it is a little bit, it takes me a little bit more time to understand what the program is, chart review, but I will tell you it gets easier as you know the patients. You're not going to have to chart review every single time. You might quickly look to see if anything changes. Um, but other than that, you kind of know the patient. You already know what you're dealing with. Um, the more and more consistent you are, things will get a little bit easier too. So, I feel like you touched on just about everything there. You're I think the only thing that I <laughs> why thanks. I think the only thing that I wanted to say you I do think that when you come to inpatient you do have that productivity that matters. Like you want to be over mm-hmm. 85 or 90%, whatever the place requires. But when working in a outpatient facility, I feel like this is definitely one of the hardest things to kind of master. Even if you know patients, it can get difficult because of the volume. Mm-hmm. So you really have to do those first two balancing patient care and documentation because you want to give good patient care but then that might chew into your charting time. So you have to be able to balance. I need to get these notes done because they have to be complete within 48 hours, but also be involved with the patient. Or less so than I, that. Or 24 hours, <laughs> yeah, depending on mm-hmm. what My the work's by are. 9 a.m. the next day. <laughs> no, geez. That's just a work thing, though, isn't it? Uh, by, by law, I think it's 24 hours. Yeah, at least or 48 in hours. our state, 48 Like the hours. Medicare... Guidance. But it also technically by law has to be done. The previous note needs to be done before the next note, like the next visit. Yeah, then it just causes issues if it's not. Yeah. But I would say this is definitely a hard thing to get the hang of just because once you are a new grad, you have to figure out every patient, see what they're doing as far as a plan of care, and learn their whatever system they're using. Yeah. So it it just takes some time, but just stay on it. And the last one was avoid burnouts, which is extremely important. Sometimes you just need to step away and don't be afraid to do that. Take vacation. Like, I'm going on soon, guys. Right. I'll miss you guys, though, chit-chatting for a while. So, number five, emphasize professionalism. So, this one's maintaining Mm -hmm. a professional demeanor, dress appropriately, and adhere to ethical standards. Treat all patients with respect and confidentiality and strive for excellence in your work. I do think 
this is just kind of like an overall guideline. Like even if you're about to go on your rotations, I think you should definitely emphasize professionalism as well because it's almost like a job interview in some cases where you'll get a job right after you're done with your rotation. Yeah. I uh, will I say this. Just... Sorry, when you're in clinicals, like you do get to have a little bit more leeway because you are a student of just like the kind of like, oh, I don't know the answers or I'm not sure about this or you kind of slip up and say something or overstep a little bit and kind of get away with that a little bit just because everybody knows you're in training, as one of my patients put it today. She's like, is he in training? And I was like, yes, because we have a student right now. Um, And just note that when you do come on, you're going to be held a little more reliable for what you do say. Um, There's not that kind of some in some cases are not those second chances. Uh, depending on where you work can be a little really strict and just be mindful of that. And that's not saying that it's necessarily bad if you do work in that environment. Some people like that. They like it. But it definitely, um, you, you just need to be aware of it. Um, you need to be a little bit more professional. And I would say is like you want to be relationable, relationship with the patient, build a relationship with I was the patient. Like, where, where are you going? Yeah, with this? I don't know. <laughs> um, but build a relationship with the patient, but really make sure you're not crossing that boundaries to where they forget that you are a healthcare professional helping them. So if you ever feel like it's getting a little too far, you got to reel it back in. So, yeah, I think the other point of note that I had was um, tattoos. Some places are okay with it. Some places want it to cover it up. And the only reason why I bring that up is just to, because it, for this one, is just to maintain professional demeanor, dress appropriately, mm-hmm. just look into what they want and then yeah. just adhere to their standards. Some places are a little bit more lenient. Some places are a little bit more strict. So just get in touch with them and see what they expect from you. Yeah, Ken, Ken's got to do a full body suit, guys. Full body suit. I cover my arms and my legs and my neck. I don't know what to tell you. Oh, dude, I was going with the whole face. You do the zip up one. <laughs> <laughs> like the good old green man. <laughs> Number six, see, seek feedback and reflection. So actively seeking feedback from supervisors and colleagues to identify areas of improvement. Engage in self-reflection to assess your strengths and weaknesses and continuously work on enhancing your skills. I think this falls also under the embracing lifelong learning and seeking a mentorship just because you do want to know where your weaknesses are. And I feel like you can assess that yourself as well and look for ways to improve that. So whether it's through continuing education, whether it's through your mentor, and that way you're always feeling like your improvement. I know this is a big thing for me because I feel like if I'm too stagnant, I get bored. Mm-hmm. And I have, and I know I have an issue with that. I just like learning, and I like feeling like I'm you're progressing. continuously, yeah, progressing, stimulate. I feel like something's new, yeah. and if I'm not in that environment, then I struggle personally. So I think you'd be great in like a neuro clinic. <laughs> Probably, I know. Um, I agree with you a little bit. The only thing I would say is, yes, you can talk to your mentor about this, but at the same time, you definitely want to talk to someone you work with about this. So what I mean by that is if you have someone that's a mentor within the company, but really you don't work day to day with them, you know, they're not going to see the little ins and outs of maybe where you can improve. 
ask someone who you're working with. I'll be honest, a month into my very first job as a PTA, I walked in and said, hey, it's been a month. Do you have any suggestions on what I need to work on, improve, and that kind of stuff to my clinical director? And was like, what can I do better? What do you need more for me? And I better than asked, me. After one month, yeah, I was I w- like, I don't think I'm cut out for this. I'm about to leave. <laughs> no, I walked in a month and said, <laughs> I was sure I was getting fired at some point soon because, you know, <laughs> the imposter syndrome was real, real. But, you know, and he had some little things here and there. And um, sometimes it can be hard to hear that we're not proficient at something because, you know, we really work to strive for that and achieve greatness in our field um and it can be hard to get direction now not all of it sometimes you might agree on that's all right you know take it take it at will um but definitely don't get offended by it um and see what you can can progress on top of the criticism um and you're never too old to keep asking for it too i when i start working with a new pt you know, I don't necessarily go up, what do I need to improve on with myself? But I'm like, how can I help you better? Is there more that you need from me? Um, that way, you know, I can see what she's missing, what she needs, or he, because I work with so many different PTs now. Uh, um, but then we get to kind of be on the same page to what's expectations are going to be like a little bit. So it's not less necessarily saying like, hey, I need some real true feedback of how I perform more of like okay how can we perform together better so going on to number seven is network and engage in professional organizations so joining professional organizations and attending conferences to events to connect with other ptas and professionals in the field and networking can provide valuable opportunities for learning collaborating and career advancement which i don't disagree with at all i feel like that's a huge thing Networking can definitely take you a long way, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's more important than everything else. So still practice professionalism, still do work on yeah. your communication skills, do all that. But I do think a lot, I feel like it's in Vegas, but I feel like it's everywhere. It really is about who you know. And oh, yeah. if you build a really good relationship with a certain physical therapist and they go somewhere else and they're looking for a new PTA, they're guess who out. they're asking? They're going to reach out and be like, hey, I have a new good new opportunity for you if you're interested and networking can definitely take you a long way as far as joining professional organizations you have the APTA you can look at just some local conferences or local events that you have going on within your community and just kind of build that way yeah and I think my opinion on this is technically you do not have to do any of that to work in this field you really don't you don't But at the same time, if you're looking for unique opportunities, advancements, um, ways to be more involved, I wish I had done this a lot sooner, gotten more involved. I wish I was from the get-go because it really can change things in your perspective and it could change opportunities that are available out there Um, and just even jobs so or unique researches or all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely something I would get into. The hard part, as I will say, is becoming networking costs money. I'll be honest, going to some of these conferences, they're going to cost money. And a lot of the times, places that you work aren't going to cover them because 
they're during the week work week too, so they don't want you to truly go and have to cover you. But um, I think in the long run, it could be worth it. So if you decide to use it, but I think that's I'm it. On trying that one. to I'm trying to look up for this convention. Depends on which uh, one. Oh, I can't. I am super blanking right now. Um, but there is a conference coming up. I don't know if it was last month or this month. That it was like I want to say close to seven or eight hundred per person. Yeah, some of them can be that expensive. It's like a neuro one out here, huh? No, it wasn't neuro, but oh, it, a like it was similar to like CSM, but it's not hosted by the APTA. So it's just like a huge convention, a whole bunch of vendors bring out, you know, fancy gadgets and toys and some lectures and whatnot. So it's kind of like a CSM meeting, but not CSM. (laughs) I don't know. If I I remember the name of it, I'll mention it, but we were talking about it at work. All right. It's on to the next one. Number eight, taking care of yourself. So prioritizing self-care to maintain your physical and mental well-being. Practice stress management techniques, engage in hobbies, and establish a healthy work-life balance. I should say engage in pickleball. I should just, like, switch that line to go play pickleball, guys. Ken's got a problem, guys. I think it's an addiction. Do you need a pickleball AA? Probably. I need hockey AA. Let's just be honest here. I probably would need that, too, if I actually played hockey. But definitely (laughs) engage in hobbies. Do things outside of something that doesn't make you think about work. Yeah, I feel like taking care of yourself can definitely be left on the back burner, especially if you're in a high volume clinic and you're just go, go, go all the time. Like Laura said earlier, take vacations, t- step away from work and definitely practice those stress management techniques, whether you like to meditate, go to the beach, play pickleball. Yeah. And it's okay if you, honestly, if you truly love to research and do that on your own time, that's okay too. But definitely find something that, you know, is outside of work a little bit so you do can, you can decompress. Um, I always like to say the saying of um, you don't want to live to work. You want to work because you want to live, meaning you want to you're not going you're not waking up every day just because you need to go to work. You want to be waking up every day, go to work and then have your life outside of work and enjoy it. Um and the reason you're working is because uh, everything costs in this world. And it's okay everything. to love your job. Love your job too. So, like you can love your job and but still love to have a life. So, your life shouldn't resolve around work. So, if that means they hey, you know, you work Five days a week and you work eight hours and they come to you and say, hey, we need really something on Saturday and you got something planned on Saturday. You go, I'm sorry. You know, if you guys give me a little more heads up, maybe next time I can kind of help out. But unfortunately, our plans don't just stop everything because of work. Because, again, I worked for a large company and this was said, this was said literally the day I quit. (laughs) Jeez. This is in a. In a town hall meeting of like 500 employees, this was said the day I quit. And this is honestly one of the reasons that pushed me over the edge is they were telling a story about how their son got injured and um, 
they were on their way to the hospital and she was freaking out about work. And all of a sudden it dawned on her if she was to die in the car right now, you know, people would be sad, but her work wouldn't skip a beat. And that, you know, they would replace her. And so just remember that work is not all about your life. Um, and yeah, there's benefits to working and everything like that, but don't live to work because in one moment it could be taken away. So I don't mean to sound morbid or anything like it that. It sounded a little bit morbid. So I know. Sorry. Let's go That's on to number like, nine. Like, I'm getting depressed over here. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> number nine, be open to different settings. So consider exploring different practice settings to gain a diverse range of experiences. This can help you discover your interests, strengths, and potential career paths within the field. So I think we already kind of touched on this earlier. But mm-hmm. yeah, kind of just going out to observe different fields. Maybe you'll find something that you're really interested in. And again, the goal is just to find something that it doesn't feel like work. You have a deep-seated passion in, and every single day is a new learning opportunity. You love working with your patients. You always feel like you're being challenged. And maybe that's not for everybody, but I feel like for me, that would be an ideal place to work. Agree. You have any thoughts on different settings, Laura? Um, I think it's okay to try them out. And just like you said, find the one that works for you. <laughs> if you, if, if I will say this, um, because I went through this, um, if you feel like you're burning out and you're like, I don't want to do this field, I don't want to... I hate this job. I hate this role. It honestly might not be the job. It might not be you being a PTA. It could be just the setting. So give, I always say, give another setting a try um, because you never know. You might actually fall in love with something. You might fall in love with um, inpatient if you were originally outpatient or home health. Um so give it a try. I always say I have a rule of just in general, give it a three-month try because I feel like the first three months of any new place, you always feel like you have no clue what's going on and you don't feel settled in. About three-month mark, I feel like, at least for me, that's where I feel like I actually truly know the job. I truly understand what's expected of me. Um, I got a good grasp of everything, and I feel like I gave it a good amount. So, um Set that for yourself if you need to. So that's my only other thing. And our last one to wrap it all up, stay positive and embrace challenges. Wow, I feel like I just said that. Remember that every challenge is an opportunity for growth. So stay positive, embrace new experiences, and approach each day with enthusiasm and a willingness to learn. Again, I feel like that's me personally. I feel like if I don't feel like I'm being challenged or learning something new and I feel like if I'm plateauing or stagnant it's hard for me to stay positive so I will continue to try to stay positive even if I'm not being challenged but I seek challenges I embrace that because I feel like I do feel like I'm learning and that's the best way for me to feel like I'm improving myself but at least you also now recognize that And so you found ways that you can kind of continue to grow by challenging yourself in different ways of critical thinking and things like that. Where before it was like, how am I swap everything and go somewhere different type type situation? At least I'm not leaving job to job to job. But (laughs) yeah, I was about to say. But I feel like like it's my hobbies that take a 
weird turn from time to time. I, I have a new hobby every other month. I'm kind of impressed that the pickleballs last this long. <laughs> Actually, now that you mention it, I am too. The pickleballs, <laughs> the pickleballs last. I feel long. like it's because I have a group to go with. Yeah. I feel like if it was just me by myself, it's so much harder to maintain. Yeah. But if yeah, I have I other people who encourage me to do it and also kind of like want to go, then I think it definitely helps to stay with something a much longer. And but look I just into like learning new too. things. Yeah, I was about to say look into that. Like I know um, in our work, there's like a journal club that does month like weekly Zoom calls and they go over new research and new journals that have come out. And they discuss it. Sounds like fun. Yeah, I, I, I'm not quite sure who gets to join because I can't see how everybody could join and take a nap. We'll start our own. Work. But you never know. There's actually some out there for Facebook groups and things like that, too. Or if you want to start a group. We'll hey, do that's a monthly end roundup for research. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll Let's just add, a, add, a, add another thing to the list. Yeah, we're really good right. at keeping up with them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wraps up our 10 things that transitioning students to their life as a licensed PTA should know. If you're already practicing, I feel like these can also come in handy if something you didn't know. If you have one that we didn't mention, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram, leave a comment in our post. So again, we can always learn from each other and always find ways to improve ourselves. Yeah, and then don't forget, guys, the biggest way you guys can help us out, you know, we do this out of the funness of our own hearts and everything like that. Um, you guys can always help us out by sharing is a big thing and telling others about the channel. Um, the more, you know, we get to listen, the better. Uh, but yeah, if you guys ever have any advice or you guys ha would like to hear about something, let us know, like Ken said. So until then, we'll catch you next time. Later. Later.